Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz here on Believe. And before we get into our South Florida Cinderella seasons, we have the pleasure of being able to introduce uh, a young woman. And it's interesting because uh, just the other day, we were alluding to my chance meeting many, many years ago at the Hollywood Park Harness Track when uh, Gene Hackman was walking around the track. And he was in the company of uh, a very dashing young Michael Landon. And we realized that, wow, Michael Landon really does have the best television hair in the history of the medium. And we're pleased to introduce a woman who can help verify that and uh, uh, give testament to that fact. Uh, Melissa Gilbert joins us. Uh, and, of course, uh, she has won and been uh, nominated for uh, many of the industry's most prestigious awards. Uh, Melissa, how are you? Good to have you on the program. I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be here. And yes, Michael Landon had the best head of hair on television. I agree. <laughs> and it was all his, but it was actually white. Really? He had Get no pigment here. in really? the hair on his, in his eyebrows or lashes or head. So he had to color them all. Oh, wow. And the color was medium ash brown. Interesting. How much of that stuff did he have to use? Was it like, uh, you know, the spray paint that Ron Popeil was putting out there where every couple of seconds while you're on a date, you had to, you know, retouch up no, your hair? No, no, no. <laughs> no, it was just the regular old, I think it was even Clairol. And he would come in sometimes in the morning and look in the mirror and see his white hair starting to show. And he'd say, mm, time for a little of the medium ash brown. Wow. All right. I have to ask you this. I mean, because, uh, uh, of kid, course... I you were a former head, uh, you know, when I was a kid, and uh, I thought direct... the color was. Oh, we, we kind of lost you there a little bit, uh, but Sorry, uh... I'm here. Okay, good. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, here. In your former capacity, I mean, you, you've been a leader in, in the industry in uh, various uh, fashions, including uh, the director of SAG or president of SAG in the past. Uh, what's going on? What, what's up with this turmoil uh, with, with directors guilds and writer strikes? So, what's happening in Hollywood? Um, I, <clears throat> based on my intel, um, I mean, it's, I don't know, I don't know anything more than anybody else does. I know that the Directors Guild went in and negotiated a deal while the writers are on strike. So next SAG after will go in to negotiate. And if they come out with a deal, which I'm hoping they do, that gets voted up by the members, then the AMPTP, which is the negotiating body for producers and studios, will have to sit back down with the Writers Guild. And how that goes is anybody's guess. So, you know, it's um, uh, <clears throat> it's it's time to start uh, finding a way to uh, make uh, the residual streams more followable. They're, the studios and networks are very good at hiding the ball where the money is. So transparency, and that would be great. An increase in the residual structure like the directors got would be helpful. I mean, I could do this for hours, but it's not the most exciting thing to discuss. <laughs> All right, yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're still trying to figure out what happened in the world of professional golf here uh, overnight. All right, uh, tell us about uh, your latest enterprise here. I know we uh, are a little short on time. Uh, Melissa Gilbert with us, uh, Little House on the Prairie, of course, uh, starred uh, on that show for, uh, what, it was like nine years of that run. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, you have a book out yeah. now, uh, Back to the yeah. Prairie, A Home uh, Remade, A Life Rediscovered. Uh, tell us about that. I. I do. That's the paperback version. The book actually came out last year, but the paperback is out now. And it's basically a sequel to my autobiography that covers the last 10 years, but really focused on the last 
few, especially lockdown and what happened up here in the Catskills during that. And because of that book, now I've launched a lifestyle line called Modern Prairie, which is a community for maturing women to gather um, and support one another as we go on this uh this journey in the last third of our lives, we've got workshops and seminars. We've got a podcast called the nitty gritty. We've got retail. We've got everything. I mean, like workshops and everything from, you know, dealing with grief in the holidays to how to make a pie crust, everything in between. It sounds good. I, I, and uh, hopefully, I mean, we barely scratched the surface here. And uh, I, I know you're, you're on top to do many, many interviews today. So, uh, and I, I, I didn't even get a chance to ask about that Alpo commercial with Lauren Green, which, uh, what, was that not a springboard for your career? <laughs> that came after Little House started. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> it was an important moment in my life. <laughs> I mean, Lauren with a dog, who, who wouldn't buy this stuff? Are you kidding me? That had to be a tremendous, uh, I hope you got a piece of the action there uh, uh, as, uh, you know, like a, a, a William Shatner deal. That would have been great. Alpo uh, for, yes, of course. Alpo for life. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Your pets will never go hungry. Uh, uh, Melissa, best of luck with, with your uh, venture here with uh, Back to the Prairie, A Home Remade, A Life Rediscovered. Uh, fascinating life that uh, you've led and have been involved in so many different things and at, at very high levels. So uh, we thank you so much for joining us here on After Hours. Thank you, guys. You take care. All right, good luck. All right, will do. Melissa Gilbert. I could have gotten into a lot of stuff there. I, really. actually, I don't know. Did you want to talk about the Panthers in the heat in the finals? <laughs> I don't know if you want to talk about their sports, respective leagues, uh, championships. She's had a really interesting career. And she's yeah. raring to go. Ran for Congress. I didn't realize that. And also, what was on Dancing with the Stars and was paired with that real taskmaster, Max, who was always angry with the judge. Who was the old judge who just checked out? The guy with the gray hair. Oh, God. Yeah. He, uh, Bernie, he, he was great Bernie, on it. Bernie something. Bernie Sanders? <laughs> he looked like Bernie no. Sanders. He was a British version. No, he didn't. His hair was uh, always uh, perfectly quaffed and in place. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the other guy's name, which is a shame that it's escaping me right now. Because we're we're so immersed, Luby. I, I'm overwhelmed. Bro, no. Len Goodman. Len Goodman. Len Goodman, yeah. That was the great Len Goodman. Uh, Len Goodman could have been skating for the Panthers in that game, uh, too, against uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, and, and we've talked about this. It, it did look like. And what would you say, Luby? You don't have as much experience with this as I do. Uh, that uh, I, I think the most dangerous stay in Las Vegas is the three-day, two-night stay. <laughs> if you're there for a week, you can kind of get on tack, you know, a track with uh, your normal uh, activities. You get adjusted to the time differential if you're from the East Coast like we are when I was coming from the West Coast. It was like, all right, I, I, I sort of need to cool in on the gambling a little bit and maybe concentrate on a few other things. Mm -hmm. Let's go see the fountains go off at the Bellagio. Um and I used to go there back in the day where nickel slots were popular and where the strip ended and was like a dirt road out to what was considered to be a new and revolutionary hotel concept, the Hacienda, which nobody stays at anymore. <laughs> it's like a place that, uh, oh, geez, what do you mean? Super Bowl week? There are no rooms anywhere but the Hacienda? You got to be kidding me, Mel. All the money I sent through the sports book. But my uh, two-night... Three-day stays in Las Vegas. Uh, I, I think uh, on two of those occasions, I, I got married. And on one other occasion was that time with the French woman, with Bert Sugar, the, the great boxing writer. And uh, Bert, uh, you know, introduced me to some uh, woman. He was speaking with a very attractive woman at the bar, and there was a, a friend who was kind of hanging around, and she was also uh, equally attractive. 
and was my type, the type that's done me in my entire life, the blonde with the blue eyes. And she's got the French accent and, and a very attractive uh, physique. And the next thing I know, Bert has me down in the basement of the MGM Grand, and we're at the wedding chapel. <laughs> and and he, he's convincing uh, the, the people that ran this place that uh, this young lady who I just met and barely had spoken three words to, uh, you know, were looking to get married. Oh, my God. Only trouble can happen there. Yes. That's when you incur your greatest losses. Yep. Uh, it's, uh, you know, when you get completely discombobulated, you get in trouble with your job when you get back because you're not ready to go back to work. The two night, three day stay in Las Vegas is far and away the most dangerous. Now, I mean, they pull down all the stops. They stopped just short, as we were saying, of digging up the carcass of Liberace. <laughs> Siegfried and fucking Roy could have been performing uh, the pregame ceremonies. They brought up Wayne Newton. They did. Who you immediately had to look up, Luby, and say... Uh, is he alive? I was going to say, after the fact, we still weren't sure if he was alive. <laughs> and that face, it really did look like he had pulled a condom over his face, didn't it? I mean, I have never seen skin stretched so hideously. Oh, my God. While at the same time, the guy thinks he looks fine, right? You're looking in the mirror, and yes, by the standards of maybe like a comic book cover, your face looks very young. But other than that, it's ridiculous to think that you're 81 years old and your skin is stretched out like that, Frank Gifford. Are you kidding me? Wayne Newton, to kick off things with the siren, you would say the Panthers had no shot. But your big fear is what, Mike Lubielowicz? That's Sergei oh, Bobrovsky, yeah, who yeah. has uh, been, I mean, just brilliant for the Florida Panthers through their run through the Stanley Cup, knocking off Boston from behind three games to one, knocking off Toronto, who was supposed to be so far superior in five games, sweeping. Sweeperoo on the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, who also were deemed to be vastly superior to the uh, personnel that were going to be out there for the Florida Panthers. Uh, they win all of those series in dynamic fashion, and then they run into a brick wall. They're down uh, 12 goals to four so far in the two games. And if you look at the last three games that the Las Vegas Golden Knights have played, 18 to four goal differential. Golly. Between the closeout game in game six against the Dallas Stars and the two games in Vegas, uh, what, what do you think? Are, are we in there with a shot? We had predicted that the Panthers would win the Stanley Cup and that the Heat would not win the Larry O'Brien. And as we speak today, you would have to think there's no way the Panthers are going to come back and win four out of five against this team the way they played in the last game. And with a suspect Bobrovsky now, and the Heat are very much alive in their series against the Denver Nuggets. What do you think, Mike? I ask backwards. I, I Look, I think the Panthers come home and wake up. That's my hope is that Bobrovsky shakes off whatever the hell happened in the last game. Look, and the defense has to be better. The defense can't allow these rushes to come down and just watch. I mean, that's what was happening a lot of the game was they were literally, they weren't getting in the, in the middle. Of the uh, here's a three on two again, Vegas. Yeah, Marcia so. Ah, slap shot, it's good. No, you can't have that. They, they got to get in there. And Kachuk has to settle down. Like, I get you want to be physical. I get you want to be imposing. The refs have made it very clear where they're leaning in this series. So you can't. You can't let that get to you. Like, instead of just saying, okay, we're going to play the game, Kachuk, all these guys have sort of, it, it, it lit the fire uh, under them the wrong way. Like, they've gotten overly physical to the point where Kachuk is playing into their hands. Like, just play the game. Don't worry about being Mr. Physical. Don't worry about any of that crap. Play the goddamn game. Get the puck on the net and get after it, which they haven't done. I mean, they haven't really done it the last four periods. Yeah, the first two periods, you were fine. In game one, the third period sucked. And all three periods in the last game sucked. Like, they have to wake up and play smart, not just physical, because they're trying to get after it and impose their will, and Vegas is just laughing in their face. 
Like the, the penalty minutes the Panthers have incurred is utterly ridiculous, and it wouldn't happen if if they were playing smarter. They're 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 doing a lot of stuff in the middle of the ice that's unnecessary. Kachuk, the Eichel hit was fine, but he did the thing where he threw the puck. Yeah, you shouldn't have gotten a, a penalty for that, but don't you don't need to do it. Like just ratchet it no, down. No, he's lost a control bit. a couple of times. I mean, he hit a guy who was being held and got a game misconduct. Yeah, I mean, it's a, just dumb. Ten minute misconduct. Just come on, just play the game. And then he's throwing a puck at a guy. I mean, that, that's kind of dumb. Just play the game. Uh, but but the game was essentially decided at that point. Uh, they did turn it into a circus in the second period. And that was the wildest period of hockey I've seen in a long, long time. Because uh, the truth be told, there, there were only two goals scored. And yet uh, people were flying all over the place. Uh, it, it literally looked like a circus act. Uh, it looked like, uh, you know, the final scrum at a WWE event. Yep. When all the wrestlers come running out of the locker room and they all get together in the center of the ring there and uh, mayhem breaks out. That's kind of uh, what it appeared to be. Uh, can the Panthers get it back under control here and uh, play a little bit more discipline, as you were saying, and uh, win game three? Uh, you know, certainly not out of the question, but uh, not looking too favorable right now. Uh, the uh, uh, Stars did come back from down 3 nothing against the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights, but but those games were close, uh, those first three games of the series. Yep, yep, yep. yep. That was a very different I, I think only the last game was there a multiple goal margin. The other two went into overtime, uh, and, and they were played – I think the Stars lost two overtime games to start the series uh, in Las Vegas. I want to say that. Was Newton at those games? Donkey Shane. <laughs> this was a fat fuck who was on the Ed Sullivan show. This is one of the most remarkable American success stories since Tom Vu was selling real estate here in South Florida. And I uh, was telling people that you could buy all of these homes here, luxury homes on the intercoastal with other people's money. You didn't have to own the shirt on your back. You could just walk in there. Here, I came to this place with cash, and I almost couldn't buy it. place I'm living in right now. They were like, well, uh, you'll have to show us this and you'll have to show us that. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I, I got the I got the 400 names right here. What are you talking about? I'm going to give you cash for this place. And I still had to go under some scrutiny, but uh, no problem with Vu. I come to this country. I have nothing. Now I'm a millionaire. <laughs> Became a poker player after that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely seemed like a total scamology. Uh, in, in this case, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping maybe – the Cinderella story doesn't come to an end there with uh, especially Bobrovsky, who all of a sudden is playing like he has a blindfold on. <laughs> Are we two steps away from the last drag on a cigarette? Now, Miami Heat, that's a whole nother story. Yes, sir. Uh, they were supposed to get crushed again like a grape in game two. Uh, it looked like that was going to happen. Then the fourth quarter occurred. So was that an aberration, that fourth quarter? Uh, other than that, uh, Denver was in control of that game. Uh, by and large, for the most part, they were down 11 early. Got off to a sluggish start, but it quickly reversed that and were up 15. With a run that made it look like uh, they were going to run away and hide. That when the heat kind of came back into it, crawled back into it near the end of the second quarter and then bouncing back and forth a little bit in the third quarter, ultimately Denver opened up eight before they got to the fourth quarter where they had a record of 32-1. and one. Mm -hmm. So are we getting uh, an overreaction here in South Florida to the fact that the heat just had a dynamite fourth quarter? It was Reggie Miller-esque, where they put up 11 points in spurts of, like, 12 seconds and and reversed the, the whole table on uh, Denver, and, and Denver was uh, hard-pressed to scramble back into it, although they almost did. So what do you think? I mean, I, Are we look, overrating the Heat's Game 2 victory, thinking that they should be favored in Game 3 when they're actually getting 2.5? Look, I mean, I think at home they should get a slight fi be, be slight favored, but it's fine. Two points at 2.5 two, two isn't a big deal. Um, no, I think the Heat... We're better than what we saw in game one. And that's what you saw in game two. I think the Nuggets are a really good team. And I think you're going to see them come back. 
I just I think the home crowd, the Heat haven't hosted a hosted an NBA Finals game since since the Big Three. I think they're going to be really energized, and I think the shooters sort of work some things out in Game Two. Will they shoot fifty something percent again? Probably not. But I also don't think they're going to shoot twenty nine percent or twenty five, whatever the hell stupid number they shot in Game One. I'm, I, I look to me, it comes down to will the Nuggets defense defend shooters, which they haven't through two games, and will Jimmy Butler contend to? continue to be facilitator guy, but also be mo- be aggressive at the rim. Because that's what it comes down to, to me, is Butler and Bam. Jokic was great through two games. Murray was great in game one, was and game two. The Heat haven't had that from Butler. Bam's been great through two games. And Butler was and game one, was better game two, but still, I, w- I would barely call him good, let alone great. So, I, we'll say, I lean Heat tonight, um, All right. coming home. I'll say Denver just uh, to but I wouldn't put a pass go the other way. Yeah. The Nuggets to listen to their coaches' bullshit because I don't know if they weren't energized. I think that's a little garbage for Mike Malone, but he said it on purpose to, to try and do something for his team. We'll see if they come out, you know, all, hitting on all cylinders and all that crap. Uh, we haven't seen it from their defense yet. Their defense has been an abomination through two games. Maybe it'll be better tonight. All right. We'll see what happens. Anyway, we have that to look forward to uh, here yes. in South Florida. Two Cinderella stories continue uh, tonight and, and then uh, on Thursday night as the Panthers will host the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, we'll see if they can uh, dig themselves back into the series. Everybody discounted them in that uh, Boston Bruins series when it was 3-1. Now, you thought there's no way they come back and win that thing. They did. They've been on fire ever since until they ran into Las Vegas. And uh, from the third period of game number one, through the three periods of game number two, it's been an horrendous mismatch and blowout uh, there, which uh, was uh, supposed to be the narrative on the uh, Denver Heat series that the Heat had finally run into a team that they were not going to be able to overcome. But uh, getting contributions from virtually everybody, a uh, so-called, I mean, if you ever wanted to see the definition of a team effort. And uh, dare we mention uh, this thing? I guess we'll get into it another time. Yeah. The PGM, the Live Tour merger. Probably the most shocking story I, I have seen where, I mean, most sports stories are very predictable. Rarely are you overwhelmingly surprised by the result of a sports story. Maybe people didn't know. I guess Stephen A. Smith was the only one that knew that uh, LeBron James was going to come to Miami when the big three were assembled and that he'd be joined here by Chris Bosh and uh, already on the team, Dwayne Wade. Uh, even Jim Gray, I, I think, was, uh, you know, surprised, taken back uh, and uh, blindsided by, uh, oh, yeah, I'm going. Do you think he knew, Gray? No. When he was doing that stupid show for, for like two hours. Maybe Gray knew. I, I mean, I don't know. He had the smarmy, stupid-ass look on his face the whole time. That same stupid, know. smarmy look that we hate. Yep. Is he the one reporter that uh, if you had the opportunity, you, you were just, you know, praying that maybe instead of Larry Merchant, Floyd Money Mayweather would have thrown a left hand and hit Jim Gray <laughs> right in the nose. <laughs> you smarmy schmink. How would you assess your performance tonight? I'll show you how I'd assess it, yeah, Jim. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to break your nose, too. Jackass. <laughs> Uh, that would be great. I don't know. Why do we get on uh, Jim Gray's case? Uh, you know, that's anxiety, uh, speaking about uh, tonight's heat game against the Denver Nuggets. We'll see what happens. Uh, thanks uh, to Melissa Gilbert for joining us. It was very brief there. Yeah. That's one of those PR things where it's they tell you, morning. okay, uh, you know, you're going to have like seven minutes with this woman. Not enough time to even say hello. She would have gone on for another seven minutes about Michael Lennon's hair dye, which uh, I didn't even realize that the guy dyed his hair. Did you? Uh, no, actually, that was like the breaking news kind of shit. That was like. That was uh, inquirer Lord, kind of stuff. never heard. I never heard that ever in any interview. Never heard that in any tidbit. Didn't never. he check out at a young age also? I yeah, mean, yeah, was yeah. there asbestos in the little house on the prairie? <laughs> Marlon had mesothelioma. I mean, uh, that's uh, a cause of that directly. We know that from all of the, uh, I mean, uh, how many commercials are on TV? How many people got this? 
me so thinking, you know, I, I don't know. I, I never heard of it, man. Never. I've never known a person. I thought it was something it. you were under at a Greek restaurant. Yeah, I'll have the miso thing, Leoma. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Is that common hummus? Okay. Thank you. What about the little pita breads? But, uh, I mean, everybody, even that Morgan and Morgan guy is on TV going, hey, well, you know what? By the way, we also dabble in this. Yes. <laughs> Why is it appealing to have a lawyer that's uh, flying around all of his people on a private jet on your dime? Uh, that's a great Not question. Sure. Shouldn't you, wouldn't you rather have some guy in like a me. Nick Nolte type of detective <laughs> office that's just grinding away like he was Denzel Washington in Philadelphia? Come on. That's the guy I want on my team. All right. Uh, been great being with you. Thanks to Melissa Gilbert for being with us. Uh, always good to be here on Believe. For Mike Luby Lubitz, I'm Jeff DeForest. Uh, tune in to South Florida Live for the Depot Show. If you want to catch us on a regular basis, that's Monday through Friday. Airs live from 7 to 9. Always a heck of a lot of fun, especially during this great ride we've been having in our hometown here of, uh, is, is South Florida hometown? Or is it vague enough to describe that? Hey, we're from Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> I'd say South Florida because the teams are from varying areas and we yes. travel all over South Florida on a pretty much daily basis. All I know is it's hurricane season and there's already been one, which oh, is amazing. Oh, Didn't hit us, right? Yeah, Some right. schmutz in the Gulf of, you know, okay. New Orleans always in play. All right. Uh, and, and we feel for them because we've had these experiences. All right. Uh, no matter what, even if a hurricane is about to hit you right in the ass, people, you got to believe. Hey folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, <laughs> no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food. Amazing atmosphere. Good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks, hand cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.